Welcome to the Display the Gospel podcast, a place where we will explore topics related to the Christian life in order to demonstrate and declare the gospel as followers of Jesus. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome to the Display the Gospel podcast. I am Brett Ricely, and today I have my friend Ross with me again today, and we'll be talking about a very interesting topic, probably a topic that uh, you might be familiar with. But uh, Ross, why don't you go ahead and say hi, introduce yourself, and then we're going to jump into a, a fun conversation today. Hey, Brett. Yeah, um, my name is Ross Kelderman, and uh, been worshiping with you at the Mission Church uh, for over a year now, and I've really enjoyed yeah. getting to know you during that time. Uh, professionally or vocationally, I, I, I work as an accountant in the kind of senior living industry. And I have a couple of kids, a daughter in kindergarten, son in preschool, and my wife, Megan. Awesome. So, you know, if, I don't know how long ago it was. We probably should figure that out. But it was probably six, eight months ago. Uh, I read a book um, called Gospel Treason, which is uh, written by Brad Bigney. And it's published by PNR Publishing. And that was in 2012. So I read that book, and Gospel Treason was a fascinating title. It kind of intrigued me. And the premise of the book is what we're going to kind of be talking about today. We're not necessarily talking about the book uh, as a review or anything like that, but the topic of the book is what we're going to be talking about, which is idolatry. But then, you know, Ross and I had a conversation, you know, where we, uh, he was asking about, you know, what book should I read as I kind of get ready to have some time to read? And so we were talking about that. And, um, and so I recommended Gospel Treason to you, Ross, and then uh, you ended up reading it, and it had a pretty pretty profound impact on you and some of the things that God had been speaking to you. And so uh, maybe share a little bit about that process and how uh, how that book well, was you know helpful in prompting some of these kind of thoughts and in, into this conversation about uh, idolatry. Then we'll get into what exactly are we talking about when we say the word idolatry. Yeah, sure. So I'm not much of a reader, but uh, was going on a vacation with uh, Megan for a week-long cruise and recognized that whether it's the trip down to the port or time on this boat, I might I might at times not have anything to do. And so maybe this would be a good time to read. I approached you for a, a book recommendation. And, and like you had said, you had just been going through this gospel treason book and you had recommended it. So um, I took advantage of kind of your insights there uh, and read it on this trip. And really what, what this book was looking to do is, is highlight all of the sort of, false things that we treasure that, that, that can't satisfy and point us to instead to God, our savior, um, that we would give glory to him. And what was interesting is, is being on this cruise, um, it really shined light or gave me a lens into what others on this trip were trying to do and really what was going on in my heart. There was this hope, um, these expectations in terms of what would come on a vacation and, you know, if you looked around, what you saw was a lot of people, you know, trying to force things to be fun or, or to work out or to go as they had planned. Um, one of the observations I had is I felt like most of the people on there bought this unlimited drink pass that cost like $700 for the week. And uh, wow. their goal was, well, I'm on this week-long vacation that I set these expectations for for 
months or years, yeah. I would like to be in just complete, you know, confusion and drunkenness so that I have no mm-hmm. idea what's going on. It just seemed like such a wow. contradiction to me and, and, you know, spending wild amounts of money on excursions and, yeah. you know, spa treatments and stuff like that. And so um, really it was, it was a great opportunity to just connect with the Lord and it really exposed in me some things where I had things that I desired that were not him uh, and sh- it shined light on those and sort of a, a strange or um, different context. Hmm. That's good. So when we're talking about idolatry, um, <clears throat> that word might have a lot of different meanings uh, for a lot of different people. And so for the purpose of our conversation today, it'd probably be helpful just to, for us to kind of identify a definition that we're kind of working with so that we all kind of know what, what we're talking about. Um, and so I'm going to use a definition that Brad Bigney from his book uh, kind of uses. And so this is his quote, his definition of an idol. I think you could define it uh, a lot of different ways, but uh, I want to read his and that'll kind of be a framework for how we're thinking about this topic today. So he says, an idol is anything or anyone that begins to capture our hearts and minds and affections more than God. And so that's kind of the premise of, of what, where we're going today of, of what is it that does capture our mind, our attention, our thoughts uh, more than God. And so, uh, you know, we could go a lot of different places real quick, but Ross, do you want to jump in with some thoughts maybe from, from scripture on where this comes from or where, where even the, the pull, why, why is there this tension to choose something and to look for something or someone for our deepest satisfaction other than God? Yeah. I mean, I think there's a few common places that we look to, to fill, fill that void that's God shaped. Um, but I would kind of, I've kind of heard it categorized into three different buckets, maybe our comfort, our control and our significance. But um, in terms of scriptures that I think point to that, um, if you read in Romans one, Paul starts talking about this exchange. I'll read verses 21 through 23 for, although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened claiming to be wise. They became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Um, You know, in terms of what they were actually looking to embrace, you know, I, I don't necessarily know exactly what those, you know, things that they made resembling things that resemble yeah. things that resemble people <laughs> that resemble God. I mean, that seems like a long stretch, <laughs> yeah. but at the end of the day, they were exchanging an infinitely valuable and precious and glorious and, um, you know, God that desires relationship with us for something that was created or created as a copy of a copy of a copy. Um, and so I, I think I see that a lot in my own life too. Um, one of the areas I struggle with, I mean, like I said, I could divide it into three buckets, significance, comfort, and control, but in terms of comfort and significance, uh, a character that I can identify with is Nebuchadnezzar, uh, in Daniel four, 
he's on top of the roof of his palace and he says, is not this great Babylon, which I have built by my mighty power as a Royal residence for the glory of my majesty. So you can see there he's, he's made an exchange. Um, And a number of things happen, including his inability to reason as a human. He became brought down to the level of an animal uh, for some time. And then later on in the chapter, um, you know, he's brought to a point of repentance and it says at the end of my days, I Nebuchadnezzar lifted my eyes to heaven. That's, that's a good start. And my reason returned to me and I blessed the most high and praised and honored him who lives forever for his dominion is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing. And he does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth and none can stay his hand or say to him what have you done Mm -hmm. i mean such such a huge turning point there and even though brett me and you may not be kings of vast empires i think if we look at what we're often driving towards i think we need to have that turnaround that nebuchadnezzar had and while we wouldn't we'd prefer not to be made as cattle or whatever (laughs) the lord did to him yeah i think sometimes we need that and i think sometimes the lord does that in our lives Absolutely. Yeah. And that's a, that's a great, that's a great reference there uh, in Daniel as well as Romans that, you know, we're all born into this world with a sin problem and a sin nature where we are constantly being pulled towards the things that are not of God. And even as redeemed people, as followers of Christ, like we are, uh, we are all still prone to, I think Paul talks about in Galatians, you know, the spirit is always opposed to the things of the flesh. And so we're always in this tension, even as believers, to be drawn to the things of the flesh and be drawn away from God. And so we have to battle that every day. Um, And so when we're talking about idolatry, we're not talking about we've got a shrine necessarily in our living room and we're bowing down to it, um, or we've got a big stockpile of money necessarily, literally in our house or something. But but these things that kind of war against the affections of our heart, our mind, and our soul, and they pull us away from God. And so, you know, one quote that I heard that I don't know if is referenced in the gospel treason book or not, but really, really powerful quote on this topic about how people are, we're all drawn to something. It doesn't matter. I mean, it matters what it is, but we're all drawn away from God to something. And GK Chesterton once said that for when we cease to worship God, we do not worship nothing. We worship anything. Um, and so the, the idea there is that in, anything can draw us away, and we're people that are going to worship. Uh, we're going to give our affections to something. The question is, what are we going to give it to? And so um, that that's really the, the core struggle that I think we have as, as, as believers, is uh, we know that God should be the number one source of our affections, right? Matthew 22, Jesus gives the great commandment to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and your strength. And then he goes on to say, and obviously, and to, to love your neighbor as yourself. And so God is supposed to be the, the chief end of our pursuit of our affections and, and our satisfaction. Yet, um, if we're not mindful of this idea that, that there are things that are pulling at that, then I think sometimes we can get confused as to why do I struggle the way that I do? And why is my sin uh, either not a big deal or something I can't get past or I'm consumed by that? And we don't even see the issue of, I've got idols in my life that are actually becoming more important than God, essentially. And so, um, you know, one of the passages that um, was 
was meaningful to me in this topic is Ezekiel 14 of, uh, you know, the people are kind of in exile. Uh, the, the Israelites are in exile. And Ezekiel 14, Ezekiel's a prophet of God, and he's basically declaring what God is wanting to tell the people. And, and the word of the Lord came to Ezekiel and said, you know, son of man, these men have taken their idols into their hearts and set the stumbling block of their iniquity before their faces. Um, and then he goes on to say, basically, if they want to talk to anybody, they need to come and talk to me so that I may lay hold of their hearts of the house of Israel who are estranged from me through their idols. And I think that that is a relevant example as well for us today as believers is we, there's always that ongoing temptation to be estranged from God because of our idols. And so one, we have to be aware that we have idols. And then two, we have to then go, okay, if these are my idols, then what is the biblical response to battling or defeating or removing, or at least knowing that I need to uh, be aware that these idols exist in my life? Yeah, I think, you know, I think one of the things that we could look at is just personally in our own lives, Brett, what are, what are we struggling with? And I guess for me yeah. personally, I would say it depends on the day. <laughs> yeah, um, but uh, again, I think we could probably fit them into these buckets of control, comfort, and significance. I think for me, control and significance are often hard. And I just have this desire to both be and appear resourceful. Um, I get no, I mean, this is obviously not true, but I would say I, I get no greater pleasure than the idea of like, I'm on an airplane and I paid $160 for my seat and the person next to me paid $400 for their seat because I was so resourceful <laughs> in finding that. And I think some of that's, you know, driven me into the vocation that I'm in. And some of that's from the yeah. vocation that I'm in, of course. But um, I, I think that that often dominates my thought. Well, I can't do this. Uh, I can't participate in this or give in this or uh, be there because as I look at my resources, it would challenge the security that I have in them, the comfort that I have in them, the control that I have over my destiny yeah. um, through them. And so, um, yeah, I would say for me, an area of constant um, struggle is resourcefulness. And, and I could give mm. several, you know, real life examples mm. where I've kind of had to wrestle through that or I'm still wrestling through that. Um, but I'd say for me personally, that's an area where I've really seen this come out. I don't know kind of areas in your life that you've identified where you're, you're having to wrestle. Yeah. Uh, you know, for me, honestly, so um, my vocation is being a pastor and being in ministry, I think, you know, is, uh, is a very tempting in a lot of ways to make a lot of aspects of ministry or even the whole thing an idol. Um, and so I think the danger of idols is that anything could become an idol, even good things. Um, and so being resourcefulness, that's a good thing. That's wise. You're managing your money well. You're trying to think about uh, the best way to get the, the most use out of your money. That's, that's a wise thing. And ministry, being a pastor or being involved in the local church, that's a good thing. But for me, I've definitely seen, you know, that ministry has become an idol, not because the ministry in itself is, but in my heart, <clears throat> I, I, want, I want significance, I guess, in the, using those three buckets. You know, I want to be helpful. 
I want um, people to see that I am helpful. I want people to affirm that I have been helpful to them in some way, shape or form. Um, and so uh, it's easy for me to, to pour a lot of time and energy and emotion and, and everything into ministry so much so that it, it, it does become something where it's like it, it consumes my mind. It consumes my thoughts. It's all that I think about. It's all I'm working on, you know, and just uh, rather than forgetting that I'm not doing this, I shouldn't be doing this for me and for my ego or for my affirmation, you know, that I need, but I'm doing this for the Lord and serving him and at his good pleasure, he even allows me to do that. And so I've always struggled with the need for um, others to kind of affirm the work that I'm doing is good. And so in the church world, it's even harder and more dangerous because you're doing a good thing. It's a spiritual thing. It's not just the typical kind of, you just, you go to work and then you come home and it's done. There's just a, there's always that hazy, hazy line of it's, it's kind of all of your life. And so, yeah, it's always been hard for me to, to not put ministry on the, on this pedestal of, uh, one, look how great I am. I'm serving the Lord. Look all this helpful stuff I'm doing. I'm great. Uh, man, God must really love me, <laughs> you know, and all those, those very idolatrous thoughts that my heart, uh, wants to, to speak into my mind as well as to feed. And so, uh, ministry for me is, is definitely, uh, a potential idol, which, Sounds really bad to say, but, you know, again, anything good can become an idol. And the other thing that came to mind in that as well is, you know, Jeremiah 17, 9, about how the heart is deceitful. And even though my intentions are good uh, and ministry is a good thing, that the heart has the ability to twist those things and to be deceitful about those things and to make you try to believe different things about that. And so, yeah, that's that's probably what it would be for me. Um, and so as we're coming up to starting to wind this podcast up and running out of time here, maybe let's talk a little bit about, you know, for, for people listening to this that feel like, man, I, maybe I have some idols in my life. Um, maybe I need to examine that. Uh, what encouragement, you know, Ross, would you give to people listening who either go, how do I even assess if I have these idols? And then if I find one or multiple ones, kind of, what do I do with that? How do I, how do I begin to, walk with God in that process of, of dealing with these idols? Yeah, I think there's hope. Um, if you look at our creator and the word that we have from him, he actually gives us insight into why he created us. He created us different than the dogs and the cows yeah. and the fish and everything. Just real quick, I'm going to name off three verses that I think kind of point to what his heart is for us. Isaiah 60, 21 your people shall be righteousness. They shall possess the land forever, the branch of my planting, the works of my hands, God's, that I might be glorified. First Corinthians 10 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And then finally, Philippians 4, 4, uh, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. He would not have created us for that simply to fail. Hmm. Um, instead, he sent his son to rescue us from our depravity, our core of sinfulness. Um, and because he sent his son to die for us and because he rose from the grave, we can have hope, not just in eternal life with him, but in freedom from the bondage of sin um, that yeah. we may actually live the life that he set out for us as described in his word. So I find hope in that. Yeah. Um, I don't believe he would create me just to fail. I think he created me 
and sent his son to rescue me from depravity that I could glorify him. Um, And so um, I find encouragement in that, especially during kind of the Easter season. Oh, that's really good. Absolutely. I I thought of Philippians 1, 6, you know, that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to bring that to completion. So part of the good work is uh, we're all in process, right? I mean, we we try to talk about that a lot is that we are imperfect people. Uh, We have a messiness about us because we are in process. Our transformation in Christ is in a one, a one and done deal. It's an ongoing ever, ever, ebbing and flowing process with the Lord as we are indwelled by his Holy Spirit. And that that's a process. And so I think there's just hope in that as well to know, hey, if you're hearing this and you're like, I think I've got this as an idol, don't panic. Don't don't freak out. Go to the Lord and begin to talk about that thing and to have pray that he shows you uh, to be more aware of that. And then press into him, press into his word, press into the promises of scripture, press into knowing and loving and being deeply satisfied in God. And like Ross said, I think, you know, you're, you're going to have those moments of, of finding and seeing hope. And so I really, I really appreciate uh, the encouragement that we can find from scripture in that. So thank you, Ross, for, for sharing uh, those scriptures with us. And, and this has been a good conversation. We may have to do part two uh, because there's, it feels like there's even more that we could talk about on this topic. So who knows, maybe we'll do, another one at some point, but yeah. Any last closing thoughts, comments, or encouragement today? No, no, I, I really appreciate uh, kind of your thoughts too, Brett. I mean, this idea that you could be in full-time ministry <laughs> and make that an idol. I mean, for me as an accountant, I just look at that and I'm like, that sounds so strange to me, but really appreciate you kind of, you know, being transparent about that and, and kind of sharing how that even, even in, being a minister of the Lord, there is a sense of making it about you um, yeah. and yeah. How, how deceitful a heart can be. I, I think that's, I think that really um, was instructive to me. And, and, and so I um, appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's uh, it is what, what one of my idols is. And so by the grace of God though, you know, he is helping transform me. I know he's helping transform you. And so for our listeners, you know, there is hope. You are being transformed if you are a believer, if you're truly a follower of Christ and the Spirit dwells inside of you. You will be transformed as you press into Him and you submit to His His guiding, His teaching and rebuking that He might do. But um, it's uh, it's an ongoing process. So hang in there, stay the course, stay grounded in God's Word. And uh, I believe that as we do that, uh, we will then be better instruments in His hands to demonstrate and to declare the gospel. So thanks for listening today. Thank you for tuning in today. You can find a wealth of resources, including free downloads, videos, book recommendations, sermons, training opportunities, and more at my website, www.displaythegospel.com.